The most frequent question I've been asked since returning from my sabbatical is what did, what did you learn? That question has been asked as I'm crossing a street. It has been asked in between services. It's been sent to me in an email. It's been asked at meals if I see somebody from the church. What did you learn? And that answer can be given in a sentence, in a sermon, and in a sermon series. And there will be one coming, probably not till the fall. But I want to begin to highlight some of the things the Lord showed me in no particular order about spiritual warfare. For those of you who don't know what I was studying while on sabbatical, I was studying spiritual warfare. I was studying Satan, not Satanism, but Satan. Who is he? How does he think? What's his philosophy? What's his strategy? What does the word say about demons and demon possession and demon oppression? What is the difference? A lot to talk about. It's hard to say it in a sentence. Hard to say it in a sermon. Actually, it will be hard to say it in a sermon series. But this is what I want you to know just before we dive into these texts for a little bit and then more next week. First, spiritual warfare is real. The word says so. In Ephesians, we're told that there is a battle that exists that you and I can't see, that takes place in realms beyond us. Though we can't see it, we feel it. We feel it when we have intrusive thoughts come into our mind. We feel it when we're overwhelmed by something that we should not be overwhelmed by. We feel it when we see our eyes looking at something we know we shouldn't look at, but it's hard to look away. We look at it when we, or we feel it when there's a greed that's in us that won't seemingly let go. Or control for everything seems to grip us. Spiritual warfare is biblical. As it relates to, to Satan and to demons, this is what I want you to hear before we jump in. Well, he is real. He is roaming. He is seeking to devour. He is real. The word of God says so. Satan is not some imagination, some, you know, thing that we've created that is a simple little picture of a devil versus an angel. The word of God tells us who he is. He tells us what he is up to, what his desires are. And you see it in these passages, and we see it throughout the word of God from beginning to end, and we feel it in our lives. Satan is real, Satan is roaming, and he wants nothing more than to devour you. Satan is evil, and I don't think we think about that very much. One of the first things that the Lord revealed to me while on my sabbatical was that he's evil, and we typically dilute that which we're uncomfortable thinking about. And sometimes we even begin to use words that will dilute what is really happening. When you pull back and take time to think about the history of redemption, and you go back to Genesis, and you read about the wickedness of man and the evil of mankind so bad that the God who made everything flooded the earth, you have to pause and wonder, how could we have ever made a baby mobile out of that story? How could we have ever taken the, the ark of Noah and set it above a child as these animals are floating? And some of you did that, you might be offended now. But my point is this, the world was so evil, so wicked. What they would have seen as the water receded, what they must have seen as the water was rising, my friends, is really evil and really dark. 
And God's faithfulness, the covenant promise, the rainbow is powerful. It's so powerful and so beautiful, but it reminds us of how things were when that happened. And God's promise that he wouldn't destroy the earth that way again. But the earth, because it's full of sinners, really is evil. There are things that you see and read about on, in the paper, online, on your phone, in your own mind that is really dark. And we need to admit that it's dark. We need to realize that last week, what we celebrated in the resurrection of Christ, and what he had to go through to get there, was evil because the enemy is evil. Sin is evil. Satan is not roaming around like a roaring lion, seeking to make your life a little bit uncomfortable. He is not roaming around seeking to nibble on you so that you just aren't having as good a day as you did the day before or as good a season. He wants to devour you. He wants to devour your children. He wants to devour your family. He wants to devour this church. That is his aim. And we need to see it that way. Satan schemes are often very different than we think. For example, if you were to say Satan's masterpiece is when he fill in the blank, what might come to mind? There could be many things, but I wonder if it would be this one. Dr. Dwight Pentecost, true last name, taught a long time at Dallas Theological Seminary, wrote a book called Your Adversary the Devil. It's a very powerful book. Here's how he describes Satan's masterpiece. Satan's masterpiece is not what we think. It's not the gutter bum who is so addicted to things that have left him essentially outcast by his own doing. Satan's masterpiece is the good, upright, honest, honorable, respected individual who's in the community who feels he does not need Jesus Christ. That's it. Satan loves the word almost. He loves to present something to us that looks almost right, almost true, almost beautiful, but it's not right. It might just be a tick off but the aim of it only being a tick off is your destruction. I was visiting with a man a couple of years ago who doesn't live in Dallas. He had an affair. His wife had called. We're longtime friends. We began to meet, me and the husband. They met with their minister too, and the minister confronted him and called the mistress some really awful names. And this man was very offended by what that minister said. He trusted me and he said, he was wrong. He said, what we had or have, speaking about the relationship he shouldn't have been in, is beautiful. And what, was he saying? what he was saying is something I had once with my wife, we no longer have, but what I have now with her is beautiful. And I said nothing for a minute. And then I spoke and I said, I will say no words against that woman, but I will say this to you. What you have 
is not beautiful. It's almost beautiful. It's what you long for your marriage to be like, which, by the way, is beautiful. The vows you made are beautiful. Her willingness to stay with you is beautiful. But you are being tempted by something that's almost beautiful. And if you continue to go down that path, you're going to end up in destruction. Not just your own, but your families. Not just your families, but their future families. Satan is evil. He plants one thought. That thought is never meant to be an end in itself, except to the ultimate destruction, your destruction and beyond. And he's scheming. But Satan is not omnipotent, all-powerful. Satan is not omniscient, all-knowing. He is not omnipresent. Thus, he has to roam. And he does. He roams like an enemy soldier general looking out at us who are the enemy. And he moves up and down the line of our lives looking for those spots that are weak. And so he did so to David. So go with me to 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel 1 says, In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle... Okay, so what was David? A king. And where was David? Not at battle. This is spoken of twice, so we know it's important. In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David was not at battle. The end of verse 1, David remained at Jerusalem. Satan's temptation, what he ultimately wants, is not necessarily what he presents first. So when David had the thought, you know what, it's spring, and it is the time for kings to go out to battle, but for whatever reason this year I'm not going, I'm delegating, I'm sending, he had no thought, I don't think he did, that there would be a moment where he was going to find himself on a roof falling for something that he probably couldn't have imagined could ultimately happen. But Satan is evil. And what Satan wants is ultimate destruction, not just of a man, but of a people, not just of a people, but of all people. And so it happened, verse two, I love the specificity. It happened, it happened, it happened, it happens. It happens because your enemy is real. The word says so. Your enemy is roaming. The word says so. The enemy wants to devour you. The word says so. And it happens. And it happened to David. He's out on the roof. He had arisen from his couch. He was walking on the roof of the king's house. And then he saw from the roof a woman bathing. We don't exactly know. And people can have conjecture about why he was on the roof. Did he know she was going to be there at this time? We don't know. And it doesn't really matter. Because everything we need to see is what God has given us. What we know is he was up on the roof. And in his vision was something beautiful, someone beautiful. And the seed was planted. The eye begins to lust. The flesh begins to respond. And that's how Satan works. He begins by planting a seed in our mind that goes against the word of God every time. 
He always is going against the word of God. That's why the very first question in the Bible, it's not from God, it's from Satan to Eve. Did God really say? Satan is always after the word. Did God really say? And so here's David. David knows what he is looking at, and the thought that enters his mind is wrong. He knows it because of the law of God, law that was spoken in general, and law also given specifically to him. He knows it's wrong. But Satan, with that temptation, presented it to him. And David, the king that did not go to battle, was also failing to go to battle now. Instead of doing what he knew was right, to stand up and to resist the temptation, to turn away and to flee, to run towards God, his God, the king, David continued to gaze. And as David gazed, that thought in his mind connected to an affection in his heart. And we remember Skip so often saying, the greatest distance for a man to travel is the distance between his head and his heart. And that is true, except in sin. And when that thought comes in the mind, and it makes its way quickly to the heart, a fire is set ablaze, and David did not resist. Satan is evil. So what does David do? Verse 3, David sent and inquired about the woman. Red flags should have been going off. Flares should have been flying. In the time between what he asked them to do for him and the fact that they brought her to him, so many things should have gone off in his mind but he wasn't at war. He wasn't at war on the front lines with the people of Israel, and he wasn't at war on the rooftop against the one who was coming at him. David, as a king, wasn't at war. Jesus, our king, went to war. Sent by God the Father to walk upon this earth, the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. And three times, this same enemy that I'm speaking of today, the one that is real, that is roaming, that wants to devour, came at our Savior. And three times, Jesus used the Word of God to wage war, to go to battle with his enemy, our enemy, and the final one, Jesus says, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. That is what is written. And then he said to the devil, flee. And the devil went. Peter tells us, as he told the people he was writing this letter to, to give them encouragement on the way, he said, be sober-minded and watchful. Sober means to be serious in attitude of mind. It's not really talking about sobriety as we might think of it. 
There's certainly connections, but it's for all of us. Be serious of mind about what this journey is like and about the enemy who's coming against you. To be watchful, the word vigilant could be placed there. And we are vigilant and watchful when we recognize the presence of an enemy. Will you have an enemy? The word tells us he's real. The word tells us he's roaming. The word tells us he wants to devour someone. You are someone. So am I. But the word also tells us to resist him. Peter says in 5.9, resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Well, resisting does create suffering because it is a war. The enemy plants a seed in your mind. It might be something you've been meditating on, or it might be an intrusive thought that came out of nowhere. I remember during my sabbatical, reading amazing things about these intrusive thoughts that come. What am I supposed to do with those, God? And I'll tell you more about that later. But our enemy doesn't stop. But neither does God. Satan is roaming. But our God is everywhere present. The Holy Spirit, Christian, lives inside you. Satan is real, so is our God. Satan is seeking to devour. Our Holy Spirit is present to deliver every time. And one of the great takeaways from my time in the Word during the last few months was that everything I need, everything you need to resist this evil enemy, you have been given. And the power and presence of our Holy Father, Son, and Spirit. Everything. So, dear friend, you may not feel like you can stand against him. A doubt comes into your mind. A seed is planted. You may not think you can stand against him. A feeling begins to emerge that's not appropriate. Something begins to happen inside your heart and mind that makes you feel like, I'm powerless. It, it's, it's overwhelming me. You have a king who didn't fail. He didn't fail in the wilderness. He didn't fail in the garden. And he's promised through his word to provide a way out for us. Our enemy's real. He's roaming. He seeks to devour you. Our God knows. He too is real. He's everywhere present. He's omnipotent, all-powerful. He's omniscient, all-knowing. And if you trusted in him, you are his. You are in his grip. Martin Luther, who wrote the hymn that we will sing in as we close, brings beautiful words to the battle we fight. And it is a battle. But we don't trust in our own power, which is limited, our own wisdom, which is limited, our own strength, which is limited, or even that of another human being, we trust in him. He is our mighty fortress. He is going to give us everything we need. Let's pray.
Lord God. Thank you that your word is clear about what it needs to be clear about. Thank you that it's true, that it gives us hope that truly is for now as well as forever. And Lord, no matter what any man, woman, or child is struggling with today, I pray as we close, may they just sense what your word says deep in their heart, deep in their mind. And may we as your children rise up and resist the evil of this enemy. And may we feel your victory now and forever. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.